Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Courtside Convo, your favorite NBA podcast here on the campus of Michigan State University in the Impact Sports Studios. I am your host, Carter Landis. I'm here with Carter Fry, and Liam Jackson is back with us again. We're back to bring you another week of just talking ball, talking hoops, as we always like to do. But before we talk about hoops, we have to talk about what appears to be the WWE has taken over the NBA. Um, There are a couple fights in some games this uh, week. The first one was in the Nuggets and Heat game. Uh, Jokic and Markeith Morris, they got into it after each side had some hard fouls. Um, The Nuggets led the game 111-94 with only about two, three minutes left in the game. Uh, Markeith Morris fouls Jokic as he's bringing the ball down. You know, he kind of just runs into him a little bit with a little extra something. Um, and then Jokic came back at him after they called that a foul. He threw a shoulder into him. Like, he dropped his shoulder and, and, and hit Mark, Mark, it was Markeith Morris. Uh, he dropped him and, and Morris got hurt off that. He injured his neck. I think he's missed a couple games. I don't think he's been back since. Um, and then Heat and Nuggets players, they got into it with each other, um, you know, Jimmy Butler had a lot to say, uh, and then they were waiting for him outside the tunnel after the game. You saw that picture where the guy's, like, holding them off? I thought it was Photoshop when I saw that. I was like, is that a Photoshop photo? And then I was like, no, they are actually standing that's, outside the tunnel. That is that's hilarious. Real. It reminds me of the Rockets and Clippers yeah, a couple of years exactly. ago. Yeah. The secret tunnel. The uh, uh, Shaq and Charles reacting to that um the the old the Clippers one when they were laughing about the police presence there. That's one of my favorite clips on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jokic's brothers, who are actually bigger than Jokic, they, believe it or not, Jokic is what, like 7'1", 250 pounds? His brothers, like, engulf him oh, in yeah. pictures. And uh, they also had something to say in defense of their brother. They went on They went on Twitter. They made an account <laughs> this on month, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like, the day after the game. I gotta find this. I gotta find the tweet. Yeah, they joined November 2021. That's on their account. That is actually so funny that they just launched a Twitter account. I, and, and they had it confirmed. That was the funny thing. Some reporter had to go confirm it. Yeah, Jamal Murray is the only one they follow on the account. Last I saw. Okay. Nuggets fans. I and mean. Marcus Morris responded too. He said, "Waited till bro turned his back, shaking my head." Noted. Uh, and then the Jokic brother accounts tweeted at Marcus Morris. So this is a brotherly feud. Uh, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you. Signed, Jokic Brothers. I love, like, you know, like the old Android phones where you could add, like, a little tag at the end. That's whatever. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that they ended it with Jokic Brothers. Have they that's tweeted weird. since? I don't know. I, haven't, I didn't follow them. I should follow them just in case, though. That was that was funny. I'm gonna be honest because I didn't I didn't like watch that game or anything, but I was just scrolling Twitter and I see the timelines blown up and it's and it's Jimmy Butler's yelling and arguing. He's like 20 feet from from Jokic. Yeah. He's not gonna do anything. Well, the interesting thing about Jimmy is everyone was saying, oh, he could have done something in the moment. But if you go back and watch, Jimmy's back was turned. Jimmy didn't yeah. see the shove, so Jimmy was like, oh, what's going on? And then he probably saw like a, the, the billboard or you know people told him what happened. Then he was all like, oh. I'll come get you. But people were saying, oh, Jimmy could have done something in the moment. He didn't know what was going on. Even if he wanted to, I'm 
Jokic's body. <laughs> yeah. No, but, he's he's huge. And and my my favorite part of it, I think, was uh, Hero. Tyler Hero was the one watching all of <laughs> it. And he, he took like a little hop and a step, and then he's like, ah, I'm fine. Jokic is not one I'm going to mess with. <laughs> yeah. I liked the video where it had uh, Jimmy Butler on the. Uh, he was yelling at him. They had like they had the camera on uh, on Jimmy Butler, and he's yelling. He's yelling stuff at Jokic, and then Jokic is just sitting there. Yeah. No yeah. response. Doesn't care. At I, w- all. I wish James Johnson was still on the Heat. He'd be. He would come to the defense yeah. of of Morris, and that would be that something. That's also happened. someone I would not mess with. No, no, Jokic is definitely not one I would mess with either. I just feel like he. What was who, was it? Cameron Payne in the playoffs. Yeah, he like slapped down yeah. hard on the ball and got his head a little bit. <laughs> Hit him so hard. Yeah, and Jokic is just. I think he was not. He would not be one to back down from anyone. Absolutely no. not. He is somebody who is gonna mess you up if you if you try anything. And then his brothers are there too, who are also bigger than him. So it's like if you if you start if you start going at Jokic, it's like oh, if you give a yeah, you, second thought. If you give someone that big uh the confidence of having his brothers behind him knowing that he can mess with anyone and then they'll have his back, that's even scarier. It's different. And I do not blame Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, any of them for Thinking about it what, and then realizing it's better for them. What do you think? What do you think would have actually happened if they were to get to the Nuggets locker room or meet them wherever they were trying to meet them? Nothing. Talk. They'd probably just go up to each other and get all. It in would their be face. all. Yep. And you then, know, people pushing. You know, people back. I don't like. I don't think a punch would actually be thrown or anything like that. It'd, it'd be the whole. It'd be the whole hold me back thing as you're backing right. up yourself and, and yeah. no one's holding you back. No, right. it was all about the statement more than anything to show their teammate that oh we have your back by going to the locker room. They knew they. And that's good. They knew by walking there they weren't going to get in. I'm assuming. A nice little photo op. Yeah. You know exactly. That's exactly what it was. I don't. I can't recall the last time like punches have been thrown in a fight since like Kobe Bryant and Chris Childs. Chris Childs actually threw a couple punches. I don't know if he connected, but I I can't re- well, I can't recall. And Embiid threw an accidental punch earlier, like a week or two ago, when he was mad about a call and almost got Lonzo with it. If you remember oh, that? I I did not see that. It was it was very close to a concussion for Lonzo. He he. I think he Embiid was mad about a foul call and. He turned his back and threw like a, a punch in the air, like while he was yelling, just yeah. in anger, and Lonzo almost caught it. Ooh. But yeah, it was an all, all an ex- accident. But one of my favorite—I don't know if punches were thrown, but when uh, Cat tapped out, was that Cat who tapped out when some Ben Simmons was choking him out or something? Was it oh, Embiid? Yeah, or, Embiid. It was, it was Embiid and Cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cat tapped out on the floor. I don't know if any punches were thrown to that, but that was one of my favorite little. Scrums I think Embiid, I was going to say, I think Embiid, or, or maybe it was Ben Simmons. Maybe, one of those Simmons? two. I don't know. One of those two, like, tackled someone else. I think yeah, Embiid ground, and Cat yeah. were the ones who got, got into it at first, and Simmons was the one that got on top and okay. was, like, giving him a little chokehold. That was quite the moment, too. Um, yeah, as we said, it was reminiscent of the uh, Rockets Clippers in 2014 when uh, they had the secret tunnel and, <laughs> and Chris Paul oh, yeah. knew about it. <laughs> Was it 14 or was it when Chris Paul was on the – no, that was 2017. It was when Chris Paul was on the Rockets and he yeah. knew Staples Center so well because he played there. Yeah, yeah. that's so what he knew it was. the tunnels. And that wasn't the only fight that happened this week. So just last night in the Pacers-Jazz game, the Pacers led the Jazz 102 to 92 with just about four minutes left in the game. Uh, Gobert goes up for a layup and Turner blocks it. A couple uh, expletives are, are said. Uh, Gobert falls down and uh, it seemed like he kind of accidentally dragged – uh, Turner down with them. Um, I don't think it was intentional at all, but sometimes that happens where a guy will fall and then the, another guy will, will fall too. Uh, and then they got up and uh, 
Turner actually went at, at Gobert and he shoved him. And then they went at each other and they were just kind of pushing and shoving and, and wrestling each other. Um, they had to be restrained, a bunch of coaches and uh, refs and teammates, and they had security there too. They all they all came together and kind of tried to stop him from, from doing that. Um, Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles all got ejected, uh, as well as Miles Turner. And that was just because I think that the Jazz guys were, were retaliating for Gobert getting hit. But that one was, I think, in terms of physicality, that one was a little bit more uh, physical than the than the one in the Heat Nuggets game. I think I think so just because the Heat Nuggets was kind of uh, Morris took a hard foul and then Jokic just, it was kind of just two hits and it was all over, but this was kind of, you're talking about close to throwing punches. This was much closer to an actual fight, I think, because they were, kind of squared up with each other, just kind of hugging each other a little bit, but um, they were both in each other's faces. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were talking a little bit more during it. So I'm, I'm I'm looking at it on here. It's a little pick and roll. Gobert takes it. He's going up for the layup. It was a decently hard block by Turner. It was a little contact. And then, uh, yeah, and then he throws a little shoulder to him, and Gobert grabs him and tries to throw him down. So then a bunch of coaches are coming together to try to pull guys off of each other. Yeah, Ingles kind of threw an arm, threw a little hand. Didn't look like a punch, but he was kind of trying to separate him. It ta- That's not one I would mess with either because Gobert is big. Miles Turner is a big guy. So imagine how many people it takes, regular-sized people it takes I'm to not getting in the middle of that. restrain no. I mean, they're both Miles at Turner. least 250 at the very oh, yeah. least. Oh, yeah. Gobert's, yeah. He's Gobert's, probably 280. At, yeah, he's yeah, 270, there. 280, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like... Liam said, you know, it was two hits in the Jokic-Morris fight, and then it was over. They didn't have to be separated or anything. Just kind of the teams came together. But this one, you know, you had an aggressive, like, bear hug kind of from both of them, you know, trying to take each other to the ground. So then, you know, obviously separating those two, you know, behemoths was a much tougher challenge. There are all sorts of players involved in this. Gobert actually walked away from it. A couple other Jazz guys started going at uh, going at uh, Turner. Looked like uh, Ingles. Royce O'Neal's in there. Mike Conley, as always he does, is separated from the situation. you got to love Mike Conley. Still no technicals in his career. Not going to get in any fights. That is very impressive, actually. Having zero technicals. No technicals, like, at all. Like That is impressive. Like, and he's that? been playing for, what, 14 years now? I think yeah, it's 13 or 14. I think, no, yeah. I, think, yeah, I think this is four, 14 or 15. Because last year, I know he was the... Uh, longest tenured player to make his first All Star game last year. And I think mm-hmm. it might have been. I think fourteen was last year. I think this might be his fifteenth. Yeah, fourteen or fifteen. I mean, but to that extent, to never get into any technicals, he didn't get in this fight. He's always just been a, a pretty stable guy. Um, I see T.J. McConnell in there. Chris Duarte, come on, man, you're a rookie. You know you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to get into all that. Yeah, you got Quinn Snyder in there. He's kind of he's kind of telling Gobert to stay away from the situation. But this this makes me think why why the hostility? Why so many fights? We're just playing basketball, guys. Maybe it could be a little bit of playing in front of fans again gets juices flowing a little bit more. But um also it's just certain pe- certain personalities that, um in certain situations, I don't think I think it's just bound to happen at some points like with Jokic and Morris and mm-hmm. uh Gobert in, is a little feisty, and then like you talked about Ingles. I, I like listen to. I've listened to every time I hear see a Ingles is uh, Joe Ingles is a guest on a podcast. I definitely listen to it because he's got a lot of funny stories, and he talks about how he can he likes to get under players' skin and stuff. So 
he's got a little trash talk behind him too, so that doesn't really surprise me. Worked for Paul George. Yeah. A couple of years ago. No. Has there has there ever been a more unprecedented situation? Joe Ingles absolutely dominates Paul George. A star in Paul George in a playoff series. Yeah. A guy who's not known for being a defender. No, Ingles, he can do it all. He's an extremely talented player, you know, even at, you know, like the age and the physicality that, you know, he's playing with. Mm-hmm. Did you have another point you remember? Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think, you know, playing in front of fans is definitely, you know, contributing to this. You know, Got people are getting prove. more amped up, you know, kind of putting on the theatrics a little bit. You know, but also I think we are kind of getting into, you know, more of an age of, like, rivalries and there's more storylines between specific teams and, you know, players don't like each other and there's social media, so there's, you know, trash talking outside of the game and off the court. So, you know, I don't know if any of these guys had had previous beef or, you know, if you know what the history behind this is. But I, I think that, you know, we are entering this period of more rivalries and, you know, more, you know, fun storylines between the teams and players again. So I'm excited for that, and I think that that is contributing to the more physicality, the more fights. That 90s ball is back. Guys are and, fighting. Absolutely. Guys aren't friends anymore. And that game, and also this, I didn't. I just this just came to my head. But with the rule changes and the mm-hmm. refs allowing things to get more physical, that could lead to something like this. Um, maybe a player takes more hits than they're used to in a game, and they could take it a little bit personal. And by the end, both these happen late in the game. So in like frustration, the the, yeah, at yeah. The, the games, um, things can add up, especially when refs let things happen more. So that could also be playing a small part in that. I'm sure guys were jawing and talking at each other all game, as they do. That's just kind of the nat- the nature of uh, competing. So uh, we'll move away from the fights and scrums, and we'll we'll talk about basketball, because we did have basketball this week, and we've had some good basketball throughout the season, maybe some unexpected basketball from the Chicago Bulls. They are sitting atop of the Eastern Conference with the Wizards. Both teams are 8-3. and three. Uh, the Bulls have wins over the previously mentioned Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets as well. A couple impressive quality wins right there. Um, DeMar DeRozan is leading the team in scoring with uh, 26 a game. Uh, the team is 7th in the league in 3-point percentage. I I don't think they were a great shooting team last year. No, oh, definitely Now they're not. a much improved shooting team. Absolutely. 6th in defensive rating, 3rd uh, in, in the league in opponents' points per game, so they've improved defensively uh they will be without Vucevic for a couple games he is on the COVID list now at least 10 days yep so that's a little bit of disappointing news but overall the Bulls are pretty impressive Carter oh I'm very excited about them DeRozan and Levine both averaging over 25 a game right now Caruso coming off the bench and I I think I saw a stat at least as of yesterday or the day before that he was second or first in the league in steals per game and then second or first in total steals on the season and he's ranked like some crazy low uh ranking in total minutes per game which goes to show that he is out there playing you know making a real difference on defense in the few minutes that he's playing so Alex Caruso I'm sure a lot of Lakers fans out there are not too happy to see him really succeeding in Chicago you know I'm letting him go was definitely one of the big woes for them over the offseason but besides that they're getting good um, big man play. We got um, why am I blanking? Tro- um, Tony Bradley. He's getting good oh. minutes for them at the center position. I got to say, I'm a little impressed with him with Vucevic out. Now we'll have to say. Mm-hmm. Now we'll have to see how he steps into that um, center role with more of a uh, 
with more responsibility to play there um, now that Vucevic is going to be out. Because honestly, Vucevic, even though he struggled su- shooting so far this year, um, he has really been a good force for us inside offensively and defensively. So I have been a little impressed with Vucevic, especially because of how he struggled when he came to the team at the end of the season last year. So um, honestly, the bright spots are all around for the Bulls. Io is coming off the bench doing great. Mm-hmm. I'm just really excited all around. So I don't know what else to say. To that point, uh, Alex Crusoe is leading the league in steals. 2.6 yep. in uh, just 27 and a half minutes per game. Yep, there so it is. He has been one of the best defensive players in all of basketball this year coming off the bench. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, yeah, I think... Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, the, I, I, the thing, I, I thought the Bulls would be much improved this year, but the thing that... Um, aspect that's really impressed me the most was has been their defense just because um, the players they they've uh, they've accumulated. You, you look at them on paper and you don't. Other than like Lonzo um, and like you said Caruso, there's not very many peop, uh, players who have like a reputation of being great defenders. But it kind of just shows that defense is like more more so effort than a lot of things. And when they're playing good and they're playing hard. Um, and that 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 um, makes up for some, makes up for a lot of uh, this like, can't think of the word. Makes up for a lot of problems you might have on defense. Like Vucevic, like you said, has been playing well, but um, before he's had like slow feet down low. He's gotten beat a lot down low. But when you when you play harder than the uh, person you're guarding, you can make up for a lot of things like that. And DeRozan is really just absolutely flourishing and um, should be uh, as of right now is like an all playing like an all NBA player. And close to an MVP candidate, and I like that they kind of play him with that second unit a lot too. Like the way that Billy Donovan and I haven't loved Billy Donovan before, but I really like what he's been doing this year. Where they play, um, they kind of stagger his minutes, and he plays a lot with the second unit, so he can be that scoring punch with the second unit, and that's um, been just super, super hard for other teams to stop, um, even when the starters come out. So, yeah, they've been really fun to watch, and um, yeah, I'm happy for I'm happy for you guys that um, you get the root for a winning team been a long time you know I could not be more excited as a Bulls fan and yeah like you said um, staggering the minutes and getting Levine and DeRozan both time on the floor by themselves you know and allowing one of the one of them to rest while the other you know can just go crazy you know ISOing getting the mid-range game because that's what DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine do they like to ISO they like to be able to just beat their defenders create their own shot and when they're both on the floor at the same time that can be a little difficult so, you know, they may start together, but yeah, like you said, Donovan is really doing a great job of staggering those minutes. Yeah, and at the end of the game, there's um, whoever's been um, having the hot hand, that's usually who they get the ball to. Exactly. So it's been working out very well. Lonzo has been a tremendous shooter this year. He's been shooting for, like close to 45% from three. Oh, and can, can we just talk about that pass um, Ooh, he made? I, was, I, wow. I, I didn't want to forget that, about that, yeah. It was yeah. like, it reminded me of like Stafford ripping a, a pass down the seam to a tight end or something. Just... Um, that overhead, like, I don't know. It was just, it's like, like over Dwight Powell or something, yeah, wasn't it? Just like he tried to get his hands right Powell in between tried it. to get his hands up, but yeah. it's too late. That whole play was, was uh, that was one of my favorite plays the entire year so far. Caruso got bumped in, like, by the defender into the steal and then corralled it and then tossed it to Alonzo. And Alonzo just, whew. And the 360. And the three, it would have capped it off. That was, that was a hell of a basketball play, yeah. if I can say so. You can see it's very clear. These guys like playing with each other. And that matters a lot. Like, chemistry matters a lot. You can have a bunch of talented players get together, and it, but if they don't like playing with each other, if they don't play well off each other, if they don't feed off each other, it doesn't go anywhere. But Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, 
those guys are all having a great time. Yep. And and that matters, and you can tell in plays like that where everything is just smooth, it's cohesive, everything is just working. So it's 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 impressive, and I think the Bulls are here to stay. I, you know, will they be the number one seed when the season ends? I can't I can't say. You're saying no a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I'm shrugging over here. I, I don't. I, I'm thinking a four or five at this point. And that would be good. I mean, oh, I it, would be very happy with that. If you get a four seed home playoff series, good luck for a yeah, good luck for a five seed playing in Chicago. So, the Bulls have been really impressive. I can I know Carter's pretty happy about that, and the success seems to be sustained. I bet it would be even better if Patrick Williams was there. But oh, I, I almost mentioned him as well. Having him out right now, you know, we're obviously doing very well without him. But even if he was here, him. man, he'd be even better. So the other team we mentioned was the Wizards. Um, Kind of surprising. They 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 move on from Westbrook. They bring in a couple pieces from the Lakers. They they hire Wes Unsell Jr. as their head coach, and they've kind of taken on a different identity. I mean, they're fourth in the league in defensive rating. They're a t- they're on the top half of the league in opponent points per game. Um, they've beaten the Bucks and Celtics and a couple other quality opponents too. Um, Bradley Beal, of course, has been leading the team in scoring, just being as good as Bradley Beal usually is. Um, and Montrez Harrell, I don't know. I'm not sure he starts at center, or maybe he does. I haven't watched enough Wizards basketball. It's either him or Gafford. Yeah, Gafford starts usually. Okay, so they bring Harrell off the bench, and that's a good. That's always an advantage. You have a, a starting quality center uh, going in on bench units. He's averaging 18 and nine. Um, he's been one of the engines of this team, and uh, him and uh, Kyle Kuzma have been pretty quality. They've been performing pretty well uh, for the Wizards, and. I don't know if that can be sustained, but I mean, I think the Wizards are playing pretty well this year to start. Yeah, I, they, I think, um, they got that West. I think they that Westbrook trade. They got a much better, so much deeper. Like you, like, like I was saying, Gafford. They kind of start him. He's a more def, of a defensive minded center, and then um, Harold plays just about as many minutes, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. Usually, I think, um, but but he's like like you said, he's scoring almost twenty a game, and um, and. They have um, Beal, who is he doesn't have to score thirty points a game this year. Um, it's actually uh, been a little bit better for him. He can there's a lot of weight off his shoulders, and um, I'm I'm happy to see like I'm happy to see Kuzma back um, to not playing with so much pressure on him every single night playing in L.A. with LeBron because I do like um, his game. And you said a game winner the other night against Cleveland too, so mm-hmm. it's nice to see Beal pass that shot up uh, for someone like that and. Um, yeah, there's a really deep team, and I, I, I like Wes Unseld hire. I think it's, um, I liked it when the when they made it, and I think that it's been working out really well for them. So, um, obviously, I don't think that they will stay at the top of the conference, but I hope they do make the playoffs because I think that it could be a, a fun team to watch play against one of those top teams in the East if they're seven, eight seed. Especially, what makes the team a team like this so dangerous is that they're so good defensively. And it's a lot of veteran players. Like, it's not a whole lot of young guys who are playing a lot. Like, Kuzma's been around for a little while. You have Beal. You have Montrezl Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, these are all quality vets. And uh, that's that's a dangerous team if they get a lower seed. And, I mean, obviously the Sixers took care of him pretty easily. But I feel like it wasn't as easy as it looked. Because the Wizards are always going to play hard. Yeah. And even now, and even now, as they're an improved defensive team. Without um, Westbrook in the playoffs. And no Westbrook. Yeah, and no Westbrook. You got Contavious Caldwell Pope now. Gafford and Harrell is tough for any centers to see. 
yeah, I mean, the fact that they're eight and three isn't super surprising. I don't think I had, I don't think I thought much of the Wizards uh, starting the year, but pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, I see them probably slipping down. If I, I would not be surprised to see them make the playoffs, like a you know a seven mm-hmm. or eight seed, I mm-hmm. feel like fits that you know fits this team. But obviously, they are shocking us this year. Kyle Kuzma that hit that game winner the other night, talking trash to the crowd behind him. I don't know if you guys saw that. He's had something, some LeBron sign was also, up, right? Yep. Yeah. Kuzma, you know, talking about how that fueled him and talking trash to that fan. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, the Wizards, they look great. Montrez Harrell, absolute spark plug off the bench. He's always been a stud. I Watching him at Louisville, I was like, this guy is a winning basketball player. I, I think, like, any team – if I were a team, I would pay up for Montrezl Harrell. He is a stud. I was surprised he fell so far in that draft. Oh, he I wasn't know. a first round pick. He was like a mid second round pick, forty something. I don't. Know. It, yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. And uh, Kuzma, I think somebody said like somebody had something to say for him that he wouldn't be anything without oh, LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, was, and then LeBron yeah. or uh, Kuzma turned around and said Cleveland wouldn't be anything without LeBron. That's great. And uh, is he entirely wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> That was a good, it's a good That's comeback. A great comeback. There was a there was a Cleveland news uh, broadcast that had him. They they were showing an interview of it, and they put a little graphic up on it, and it said Kyle Kuzma won an NBA championship thanks to LeBron. Yeah. Like whoops, I love it. A little self reflection, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, to that point, like I agree to uh, that you said that the Wizards are probably gonna make the playoffs. I think they won't. I think they'll be clear of the play-in. Like I think they are probably a, are probably a six or seven mm. at this point. I don't know. If, obviously, I don't know if it it will maintain. There's still a lot of basketball to be played, but I think like the difference between the Wizards and this year and last year's. Last year they were just trying to outscore everybody, and they didn't always have that because they couldn't defend. They could shoot it really well, and they could score really well, um, but they couldn't stop anybody. And now it's the complete opposite. They're a much better defensive team, and I think a lot of that has to do with having Harrell and Gafford. Is teams aren't getting good looks at the rim. And I don't want to sound like a Westbrook hater, but I think just not having Westbrook helps because the way they're moving the ball. And on defense, Westbrook, he'll look like sometimes if you watch like highlights, he'll look like he can make plays on defense, but he is a lazy defender a lot of the time, not a good help defender. He'll just kind of sag off players. He'll like take possessions off on defense. So I think that – I think. Addition by sub, I mean, they added a lot too, but like even without who they got, addition by subtraction for that uh, starting five for sure, and definitely the whole team with all the pieces they got back. You're definitely right. I mean, it obviously moves so much smoother with Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. You know, I think I think that him running your point is a little bit more efficient than Westbrook at that point, and it's kind of like interesting to say, but I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to move the ball for you. Westbrook's kind of a ball stopper, believe it or not, with all the assist numbers and him commanding the ball so much. And he, like, needs it in his hands. Yeah. That's the thing. To be an effective player. You're not going to sit him in the corner because he can't hit a three. No. He can't hit, like, anything. (laughs) Um, Another team that's been really impressive, the Golden State Warriors. They are all the way back, it seems. Almost. Clay, it appears he might be back. You said Christmas break. He might be the... Yeah, Woj said um, they're... Eyeing like December twentieth or twenty second, they have two road games they wanted to pl- him to play, uh, maybe a game or two in the G League while they while they're on that road trip, and maybe come back and play at Chris on Christmas, um, or I don't know if he, on Christmas or right before, but around around Christmas for sure. That is awesome. If you get Clay back, you're already ten and one. Steph is playing at an MVP level again. Uh, Draymond is is playing his role 
to the best of his ability once again. I mean, you got Jordan Poole contributing, uh, Andrew Wiggins, one of the best wing defenders in the league all of a sudden. Gary, playing... Gary Payton was on waivers. No one claimed yeah. him and he came back. And now he was supposed to be like their 14th or 15th man and he's playing six or seven man minutes right now. Very effective. Catching lobs from Steph Curry, yeah. mm-hmm. lying above everybody. Nemanja Bialica, that guy's been playing really well too. Oh, I loved him on the Kings. That was a great pickup for Golden State. And they haven't even needed Moody or Kuminga yet. No. So imagine once those guys get ready to play some NBA minutes. Those are both some solid uh, contributors, or we think that they will be. Um, the Warriors' only loss came against Memphis, 104-101. to So they played a close game with a team that's really good. In overtime. Yeah, it was an yeah, overtime And Ja game. played a great you know, Ja yeah. had a great game. Um, so the Warriors lead the league in scoring nearly 116 points a game. That's unheard of. Absurd. Um, unheard of by teams other than them, that they did it a while ago. Uh, they lead the league in defensive rating, too. And they're top of the league. They're close to the top of the league in three-point percentage. I mean, it, it it feels hard not to declare that the Warriors are back. Like, this is very reminiscent of, like, 2015, pre-Durant. Just, mm-hmm. like, the, they are good. Steph, MVP, he's got his shooters around him. He's got... Somewhat of an inside presence. The defense is there. Steve Kerr is back to his prime, it seems. What more can you ask for if you're a Warriors fan right now? Yeah, I think at this point in time, Curry is the best offensive player in the league. Just the way he can stretch a defense out. You have to pick him up right at half court. Like this, is The things that he can do with the basketball. Like we saw against the Hawks. They were down, what, 15 or something in the first half. Looked like looked like the Hawks were like finding their stride again, and then Curry just just went absolutely insane and they're so deep too they Otto Porter too we didn't even mention oh, yeah. Otto Porter he played a couple of solid games this year and um James Wiseman also hasn't been back yet so when that's another piece that they'll have and they're just and then even uh even if Moody and Kaminga even if they they even if they don't end up playing that much for them um they're always if anything comes about at the trade deadline there's always two big pieces you can make if you need mm-hmm. You think if they really want to try to go for it and add another uh, player, but yeah, that's um, just I just enjoy watching Steph every chance I get to watch him because that man's changed just the entire sport more than almost anyone has ever had. So yeah, just appreciate watching Steph and Steph by himself can make any team a top four or five offense in the league. You put him on any team, but now with with this team, now he's com- we got players that he's playing with that he's comfortable with again. Everyone's healthy. They're getting back to healthy. Um, fans are back. I know it's not Oracle, but that place is still – they still they played a lot of home games this year too, which mm-hmm. has probably helped them. But, um, yeah, they're just – it's hard not to root for them, especially now that they don't have KD. So I could get people rooting for them or not wanting them yeah. to win with KD. But, yeah, it's, it's just a hard team not to root for, a lot of likable guys. And um, I, I don't – I don't – I don't think this is too premature, but like I don't with Clay back, that like who I think that and LeBron possibly being out for a while, um, other teams in the West looking like they have some holes, like they might be the favorites right now, um come to come out of the West. And um they they obviously know how to win, so I would not want to that's probably the last team I'd want to see in the playoffs. That's what I was point. thinking is like we were we've been trying to think of like who's a team that can really be a favorite in the West. Because we said, we're not sure if Phoenix was going to replicate their success. We didn't trust Utah. We didn't trust the Lakers. 
So Golden State is kind of separating themselves as that team as of right now. And it's like, we know who the Warriors are. So we can't, we're not going to think, oh, can they sustain it? Yeah, we know they can. And yeah. we kind of assume that they will, especially barring, getting... barring any staff yeah. injury. I don't, I wouldn't add, I wouldn't put anyone ahead of them um, probably throughout the rest of the year just because um, we've seen this core do things that no other team has ever done in the league. So nothing I could put anything past them, especially with, um, like you said, the Suns. I thought, I thought the Suns would be um, the team to beat. In the West, I thought that they were really hitting their stride, but it just seems like they haven't been horrible, but it just seems like they haven't really, hasn't been the same for them this year. So I'd be, I also am interested to see how they look when they have to go on the road because they have played more home games than any team in the NBA, I believe, so far. So we'll see if that makes any difference, but yeah. um, I don't I don't really think it'll make too big of a difference. Yeah, I was like Steph is must-see TV every night they go out there. You. Like you said, you have to pick them up at half court. There are like a few players in the league that like if they're on your team, your offense is completely changing around them. If you're playing against them, your defense has to totally shift. You have to rewrite what you're doing, and Steph is definitely on that short list. And I'm going to agree with you. I think he is the most like effective offensive player in today's game still, even with the Dodgers out there, the LeBrons, you know, you long list of guys, KD. You know, I'd, I'd say a lot of people would say KD right now. But, yeah, Steph, it, it takes him that quick to get his shot off. And every every time he shoots, your jaw just drops. It's like, did he he really just shot that? Like, he goes inside, puts up some crazy jelly layup, and it bounces off the backboard, goes in. Jaw's on the ground. I Like, there's not another player that I've that's done, been able to do that where I just am sitting there looking at the TV like, what am it, I watching right now? I think, I, I think KD is, like, one on one, the toughest to stop because you can just get to you. Even if you one play on good one, defense, yeah. they can get to his spot at the elbow and just go right over you. But Steph just change makes Steph changes things for the entire team more than any other player does. Just even if his shots off, you still like go into the fourth quarter. Like he still could turn it on. So you can't, you can't, you can never ever leave. Give him any inch of space because he will, he will shoot it and he will like, yeah. So you, I don't even. You can't. There's I don't know how you defend him really and. Obviously, other NBA, almost every team in the NBA this year hasn't really figured it out yet either. He outdoes himself. He's still outdoing himself. That, that Hawks player. game was probably one of the best games he's ever played in his career. Yes, that it fits, was. Yeah, and he they, had to teach Trey a lesson. Yes, he did. Little protege. How they had to, they left Herder and like Solomon Hill on him by himself. And I was like, okay, that's fun. The Warriors do uh, have a bit of a uh, road trip coming up. They go to Charlotte, to Brooklyn. Uh, to Cleveland, which isn't tough to play, and then they finish that off uh, in Detroit. I outside of fun. I was gonna say outside of Detroit, I don't think any of those are are easy places to play. Yeah, so I uh, mean the Brooklyn game will be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a TNT uh, Tuesday night Ooh. game, so that'll be fun. The Warriors are probably gonna keep playing this well. I can't, I don't see any reason why they would not keep playing this well. I think it's I think it's fun to see the Warriors back. Yeah, and it I was, love their I love their their um, city jerseys they've been wearing. Those are so cool. Those are one of my favorites that have been rolled out this year. Those are so cool. So on Wednesday we had some uh, ESPN games, some national games, and the Pistons and Rockets were featured in them. And the Pistons came out victorious. Jeremy Grant uh, led the entire game in scoring. He had thirty five points, but also had five rebounds. Played his best game of the season, it appears. And uh, but outside of that, I think the biggest picture with this game was the Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green 
uh, rivalry game. I don't know if it's manufactured or if uh, Cade and uh, Jalen Green really don't like each other. It seems kind of one-sided. Jalen Green kind of doesn't like Cade or the and the Pistons. Uh, Cade doesn't seem very focused on him at all. He doesn't really care. I mean, Jalen Green did have uh, 23 points and Cade did have 20, but I think Cade outplayed him like severely. Yeah, I think Cade. Well, first, I think I if Cade doesn't. I don't think Cade has a problem, but if he doesn't, he does not show it at all. He just, he, he actually, he really just like ignores him. And I'm, that's, yeah. I, I couldn't think of a better word. He, like after Green blew by him and had that dunk and then got that tech yelling in his face, he didn't score after that. And then yep. Cade took a charge, turned the tide of the game. He had a big three, got to the lane, hit a big shot. Like Cade is, seems at this point in time, as early in their career, he seems like much more of a winning player than Jalen Green and a guy who, um, who just values team basketball over uh, Jalen Green? Who I, like I respect that he just, mm. Jalen Green wants to be the best player ever, and he thinks that he can be. And he, that's all. I think that's he's so focused on himself uh, more than um, Kate is. But yeah, I think that um, yeah, I don't think it's manufactured. I actually don't think Jalen Green likes the Pistons or Cade. Um, but yeah, like you said, it is pretty one sided right now, and. Um, it was nice to see the Pistons on national TV because that is one of the, I think that is the only national TV game they have this year, and it was nice to see them come out with a win. Man, they won. It was fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, Jalen Green, like you said, it's per- Cade just really, want, it seemed like, wanted to shut him up right after that stare down and the little antics that he was going. He didn't score. But he, didn't, he didn't score after that, and like you said, he took the charge. Really, just you know, put it to him like, "Hey, I'm I'm the, still the number one pick. Like, you know, we won this game. Get out of here." You know, it seemed like Kate handled it in a very mature way. And Jalen Green, as talented as he is, it seems like you know he might be. I'm I don't know if he's a bad locker room guy or anything like that, but he does have like an attitude of you know sort. Of seems like he likes to you know bring the tenacity out on the court. Um, really, you know, get into it. He's you know, an emotional player, it seems like, from what we've seen so far, you know, in his young NBA career. You know, and I don't think a lot of people saw a lot of him because he was in the mm-hmm. um, G League, the D, or it's the G League now, G yeah. League last year. I always get it confused. I'm like, which one came first? But we didn't see a ton of him last year, but we're quickly seeing he's a super talented player. And so is Cade, but, you know, we saw last night what happens when they go head to head. And I, I think this will be a very fun rivalry going forward, even. If it is one-sided at the moment, I think that if Jalen really keeps playing this up and really keep try, tries to keep stoking the fire, I think we may see a little rivalry here. And, I, you know, the Pistons passing up on Jalen is definitely a storyline, and I think that he has every right to feel upset with them about it. And, you know, he showed it out on the court last night, but unfortunately it backfired a little bit. I think it would be a bigger rivalry if they both played in the same conference because the mm. chances of them playing in the playoffs is slim to none unless um, – one or both of them change teams, right? But um, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I um, uh, oh, I, I was gonna say, I think I like the idea of that Jalen Green has for his type of attitude because we've seen players with it, like Kobe in the past. Who mm-hmm. he like, but sometimes it just feels forced. It feels kind of fake the way that he like manu like the way he uh, some of the things he says and does. It doesn't like it doesn't feel as genuine as players like that. So I hope that he can really like find his who he really is, and if that is who he really is, then cool. But um, it just doesn't seem like it is yet, and I, I know that he'll mature and he'll grow, and I 
I'm really excited to watch both of them, and I think that Jalen Green is going to be a, like a um, a star player as well. So I have no nothing against Jalen Green. I just find it amusing, honestly, when I watch those two play. I think it's it's entertaining. It's good TV. I don't think it's ridiculous to say that Jalen Green has just at least a little considerable amount of contempt for Detroit because he did want to be the number one pick, and he did come out and say a couple things that sounded like uh, a jealous ex would say, you know, like, there's nothing cool to do in Detroit anyway. It's like, and so there's definitely a fire stoked on his side, at least on Jalen Green's side. And he really wanted to prove himself in this game. And he wanted to prove himself to Cade, to the Pistons, to the rest of the league, that he was deserving of being the number one pick. However, I also do see the side of Cade's more of a winning player. Jalen Green is kind of in it to to be that star. But Cade wants to get W's. And I don't think Jalen Green doesn't want to get W's. I think that it's it's a little bit secondary to him in terms of what what the end result is that he wants. Um, Cade, however, pretty much dominated that game. Despite Jalen Green wanting to get the headlines, Cade made sure that wasn't going to happen. And it was because, and, it, and and the Pistons winning means a lot to that. It does. People say, oh, the Pistons won, so Cade probably played better, even though Jalen Green had more points. Cade took the assignment of guarding Jalen Green and looked tremendous. I think Cade's going to be an awesome defender. Yeah, I like, I like how hard he plays on that end. And I understand, I guess I understand a little bit why Pistons fans don't like Jalen Green because he said some things that weren't exactly glowing reviews of Detroit and the Pistons. Um, but Cade seems completely uninterested in it. He's, he's like, hey, I'm the number one pick. I'm playing with the Pistons now. It's over. It's done. Let's try to win some games. Yeah, as a Pistons fan, I don't really, there's enough to worry about than worry about another player and talking about the city or the team there's a lot um that's why I kind of I I like that's how I like that's why I like the way they're handling it they're just like like ignoring it just focus on themselves and like they interviewed Cade before the game and they tried they're um they were like trying to like get him to talk about Jalen Green he goes he goes, yeah, Jalen's a great player, but it's, uh, it's, he's like it's Detroit versus Houston tonight. He's, he's like, a professional. Yeah, yeah he wasn't ta- talking about it. And in Jalen Green's defense, he didn't also like the day or two leading up to the game. They also asked him about it, and he said basically the same thing. So he has changed. He has kind of slowed down a little bit um, based on what he was saying, like before and during the summer league. So and it is only ten games into their, both their careers, so a lot will change. A lot will happen. So I'm I'm just excited to watch. Um, for both for both players and both franchises, see which which way they could take it because both looks like they're headed to have another um, decent pick in the in the draft this year. So um, they're both still in rebuilding mode, and Jalen and Kate are just pieces to the either team's puzzle. So I'm excited. And you could see it out on you know on the court last night. Jalen was much, seemed to be much more you know honed in on the rivalry and him versus Kate and. That whole thing, while Cade was focused on winning the actual game and putting, you know, what's the priority here first. So yeah, I think you know that was very mature of Cade to handle that that way. I think some and it paid off, you know. Yeah, won. I think some things are manufactured, but I actually don't think that was because Jalen no. Green was in Cade's face. Oh yeah, and doing not, all that it's stuff. Not. And and Cade wasn't paying him any mind. 
and I, I and I kind of love that. Um, I'm all for rivalries though. So if Cade wants to tap into it, I would like that too. Did you see her here his quote at the end of the game? No, I didn't see it. He said, um, I don't know, uh, verbatim, but he said mm-hmm. so, something along the lines of they asked him about the trash talk. He said, "All tra-, he said, oh, I'll trash talk if I feel it's warranted." He goes, "But I felt like that was more for the cameras." Yeah. I, oh, I did see that. Like, I didn't have anything to say. I did see that. Oh yeah. See, it does it. It seems like, oh, this is so overblown. It's not. I like that it was more of a subtle shot at him. Like, the way that he worded it was really funny. It's very real. Um, And as you said, both teams right now aren't really looking to compete for championships. So the big storyline is going to be Cade and Jalen Green going at it with each other. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. A number one and number two pick kind of going at each other. And the number two pick trying to have something to prove. It's 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 good TV. I think it makes for good TV. I would like to see. I'm glad that the personalities are the way that they were for the picks that they were in because if mm-hmm. it makes it more. Like if if Cade was had the t- personality of Jalen Green, people it wouldn't be as interesting because he'd be like kind of like punching down a yeah. little bit. So it makes it like Jalen Green being a little more scrappy with the way he he acts and stuff is makes it fun. Well, and with that, I think like, Jalen Green's kind of like the annoying little brother here, and Cade's <laughs> like the older brother, just like go away already, like come on, you know. Yeah. Just kind of fed up with it at this point. That is that is very accurate. And uh, Jalen Green comes to Detroit in a couple weeks, I think. Ooh, the yeah. Rockets and Pistons play in Detroit. I will be. Um, I think I'm going to be there. So pack the palace. I wonder what. Uh, I wonder what. It's not the reception. Anymore. I wonder what reception Jalen Green's going to get. It'll be a lot of... If they're booing Blake Griffin like they did, Jalen oh. Green's going to get booed into oblivion. I don't think it's any mystery at this point. Jalen Green, I think, is a hated man in Detroit. I think... I was I was disappointed in the turnout for that game at Houston. There was, like, nobody there. I think Detroit, they'll... Um, It'll be more. Yeah, he'll hear it. Like, more than Kate heard it in Houston, for sure. Jalen Green is definitely a hated man in Detroit. And not to say that I I like that he's being hated on, but, like... He's a, he's vilified in Detroit, and that makes for for fun basketball. Detroit fans are they take they they have a lot of pride. I feel like in the city more so than a lot of other teams, and like I feel like they can handle trash talk about the sport. But mm-hmm. when certain players say things about Detroit, it doesn't really usually go over very well with the the fan base. Right, Jalen Green is a hated man in Detroit, and it's going to make for some fun basketball. I think in the next couple of years. So later that night, the Lakers beat the Heat in the late game. It was 120 to 117 in overtime. Uh, the Lakers made a bit of a fourth quarter comeback to get back into the game. And uh, one of the reasons for that was uh, 27 points for Malik Monk. He came off the bench and hit 10 of the 13 shots he took. Uh, Bam Adebayo played a pretty good game on the side of the Heat. He had 28 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 steals. But he also got into foul trouble Jimmy Butler was hurt in the game, and LeBron James remains out, uh, and he did not play. Um, I watched a good deal of this game. I think I didn't watch a lot of the fourth quarter, but then one of my friends texted me and said, hey, this is a good game. You should tune in. I was like, oh, okay. And um, I think that, yeah, the Heat missed a lot of opportunities to uh, win that game, and a team like the Lakers are going to uh, take advantage of those, and they're going to win. But Westbrook was kind of one of the reasons that they – came back and uh were able to get the victory. Um and I want to I want to know what you guys think. How far can the Lakers go, you know, with Westbrook leading them if LeBron's going to be out for an extended period of time? Uh I think one of the main reasons they brought in Westbrook was for times like this for when LeBron was out during the regular season just because um they needed someone. I saw I heard someone like compare it to 
like a baseball pitcher who eats a lot of innings out of the bullpen that you could save arms with and like because hmm. Westbrook he's we saw him last year he like he's done the same thing the last couple of years where he struggles early on and then he finds it at the end of the year so I don't I, like I don't want to rule him out and like you said he he was a big reason why they came back and won this game so I think with Westbrook um, the re- regular season wise they fare a lot better with him in the playoffs though I don't is if LeBron and AD are healthy they can play with any collection of players and have a chance so I'm not I'm still not going to rule him out but I don't think that he adds too much in the in the playoffs like I honestly think a player like Caruso would be a better fit uh, in the playoffs than Westbrook would be with if uh, LeBron and AD are both healthy so I don't I don't think that he adds much in terms of like their championship equity in the playoffs in the regular season I think he will give them a boost though as long as he can stay healthy well and like we talked about earlier you know Westbrook gets his assists you know he's known as a you know a passer distributor but he kind needs of. the balls. But that's the thing. He needs the ball so much and needs it passed to him to like start up a play that he stops flow of the ball by like needing it to come to him. So, you know, it's starting and stopping like a play over and over, it seems like, throughout like one possession. So it's not really doing that much for the ball movement. And yeah, I think Caruso would fit in much better as a, you know, perimeter threat. You know, can shoot the three and is one of the best perimeter defenders in the in the game. So, you know, I think the Lakers are Definitely regretting letting him go. I, I I don't think that they're winning the finals, but I think they could make it. You know, to the Western semis or the Western Conference finals. You know, if LeBron is on your team, you can't count them out, especially if he's on the healthier side of things, because we haven't seen like fully healthy LeBron. You know, since, since the, the title, yeah, since the bubble. So you know, it's been a while. You know, I think the Lakers. You know, the Heat. The Heat shot twenty seven percent from three last or from three that game. They had so many opportunities to win. The Lakers shouldn't have won that game, honestly. I was thinking that. So the fact that they barely pulled this out and had to come back and needed OT to beat the Heat in this game, like looking at the stats and how they shot, it's not that big of an accomplishment. Like I, as good as the Heat are this year, I wouldn't be totally like hanging my hat on this victory if I'm Los Angeles. They got a random like five of eight shooting game from three from Avery Bradley. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that consistently. Not at all. <laughs> and Duncan Robinson shooting three of 13. Like he's, he's yeah, he's been off to a slow start. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. found it this year. Kyle Lowry, two of 10 from three. Like. Yeah. That's the thing about Miami is they're really good. Um, I don't know if they have the offensive weapons to, you know, make a deep run in the playoffs. Like I feel like a, a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn would outshoot them. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the things that's going to hurt them. But they have a really well-constructed team, especially if Tyler Hero is going to keep playing this way. I mean, he had 27 off the bench as well. He went 5 of 8 from 3 as well. Like, he, he he's talked in the offseason, and he's backed it up this year. He has. I As much as I hate to admit it, he definitely has. He's been very, very, very solid. And I believe he's been coming off the bench. He's been closing games, but mm. I don't think he's been starting. 42 minutes the other night. Yeah. He, he is, yeah, he's been playing a lot, but it's weird to uh, watch him not start. So he, technically, I don't know how six-man works. Like, does it go by minutes or just if you actually start? Because if, if so, he would be the six-man of the year right now. Yeah, they probably look at how many games you start. And then, I mean, if you play a lot of minutes, I mean, what, James Harden won it back in, like, 2012, but they would, but they would, the Thunder would, like, start Tabo Cephalosha for, like, five minutes and then bring James Harden in and he'd yeah. play the rest of the game. Yeah, so by that, by that, if we're going by that, then I think Tyler Hero is the sixth man of the year. But like you said, in the playoffs, that's obviously a team I don't want to play, but it's also a team I don't know 
how much I trust if Tyler Hero is the guy you're going to to get you a basket, to create offense, get you a basket at the end of a game, like if Kyle Lowry's struggling. And if Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson's going to find a stroke, but, um, and I don't, they've, they I don't, I don't want to come off like I'm hating the Heat because I think that they're really, really good and the sky's the limit for them. But just something about, something about the Heat doesn't, when I look at, when I watch them play, I just don't see a title contender for some reason. Like I know on paper they look like it. Uh, the record has been very good this year, but just don't, something about Miami, I don't, doesn't sit well with me for some reason. I don't see it either, and I and I honestly don't know if I see it from any Eastern Conference team at this point. Like I, Philadelphia's been really good, but We're, we haven't seen Milwaukee full strength this year. Yet, no, yeah, so. they haven't been they haven't been very good either. Um, I think Brooklyn probably comes out of the East, but the Lakers. I I don't know if I'm going to say anything that I haven't been saying is that I think that this roster works doesn't like work so well together like it's not it's like we said before like it's not like a team that's going to play really well together yes it's all like lebron's friends that he signed and stuff but they don't really work that well together um i was watching uh i was watching the game with one of my friends and he's not like a huge basketball guy like he likes basketball but he's not like us he and he sees these guys on the courts like wait they have that guy what is this roster i was like dude i can't tell you there's a lot of rosters nowadays where if someone like Stopped watching basketball four or five years ago. They mm-hmm. would be just shell shocked. Like Brooklyn was one of them. Yeah, Lakers for sure one of them. Like, but oh, we, uh, I think one of the saving things for the Lakers is just how injury, how how many injuries they've had this year, and uh, like like you have here Malik Monk scoring twenty seven off the bench. I think players like I think uh, players like Malik Monk. And Kendrick, no, when he comes back, could be really good spark plugs for them. Um, and on their bench units, when Westbrook is uh, isn't handling the ball, it might actually help them. If LeBron is playing with players like Malik Monk, uh, Nunn, AD, and then Horton Tucker when he comes back or something, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Lakers finding their fit, you know, and how this roster, you know, glues together. That is going to be a tough task for Frank Vogel this season, just to figure out how to put all the pieces together. And I feel like it's inevitable there's going to be a big injury, I feel like, at some point with this team. Already is. I mean, LeBron, well, well, going to miss a bunch yeah, of time. If LeBron's going to be out for that much longer, then that is going to throw a big ripple into things. But, you know, I I have a feeling that they won't be a top seed by the end of the, by the, end of the regular season just because of injuries and the way that this team doesn't necessarily work together all that well. So, yeah, I, I see them, you know, probably lower end of the playoffs. You know, there's a chance they're struggling to get into the playoffs, that they're a play-in team once again, mm. like they were last year. So, you know, it seems like injuries is the big, like, you know, will they, won't they here. But, you know, they definitely have some issues they have to work out. It's also a lack of a big man presence on this team, I think. I mean, no one's really, like, worried about DeAndre Jordan and, and Dwight Howard in right. 2021. Uh, at this point, so there's that. But, I mean, if they're going with the big man, they're probably just going to have Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis playing center is their most effective, I mean, strategy. Yes. So, I don't know. I mean, I've never th- – I haven't thought that it was going to work out with the Lakers this, you know, ever since they constructed this team, and nothing's really changed my mind so far. Um. So, before we get out of here, we got a couple games uh, tonight on ESPN. Celtics and Bucks at 730 uh, two teams that 
have not really found their stride in the Eastern Conference yet, but uh, we expect them to do so. Uh, Milwaukee is favored by one. Carter, I'll start with you. Who do you got? I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. It's usually hard to, you know, vote against Giannis in any way, shape, or form. At this point, like, I feel like we all... Like I should have learned my lesson by now <laughs> by doing that. Me too. Um, I've I have a little brother who's like the biggest Giannis fan in the world, and for all this time I've been like he's not going to be that good, and then of course he wins two MVPs, DPOI, and I had to eat my words. But Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are they both playing tonight? Both healthy? It appears I'm that ass- way. I'm assuming so. Obviously, this is a Celtics team that I think if they are hot, they can beat anybody, and you know. They definitely have some holes in their offense. You know, Marcus Smart's not playing, you know, the greatest on offense so far this year, you know, doing doing his thing on defense, as he always says. I think they're a solid perimeter defensive team, as as always. You know, Tatum, Brown, and Smart, that's a lockdown outside. Containing Giannis, though, that is the different beast, though, and that's the key to this game, I think, and I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to do that. So I am taking the Milwaukee Bucks. I will, too, just... Um... Giannis has been playing so well, keeping him afloat with all their injuries. And um, they don't have um, Lopez or Middleton still, I don't I don't think, but Drew Holiday's mm-hmm. back. So I'll take them over, over Boston tonight. And I think Carter covered a lot of the reasons why. So I'll just, I'll just take Milwaukee and not think about it. I think Milwaukee could win. I think I'm going to pick Boston just to be a little bit of a contrarian, but... I think that if you just let Giannis do what he does um, and you make sure everybody else is locked down, I think you can win that way. Um, I think that the the punch of uh, Tatum and Brown is going to be too much just for tonight uh, for Boston or for Milwaukee, I'm sorry. Um, and I think that the Celtics win it close because Milwaukee is only favored by one. So it seems like this one could really go either way. And I will take Boston in this one. And then later tonight at 10 p.m., we have the Bulls at Warriors. Golden State is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Liam, who you got in this one? Uh, since I talk so glowingly about the Warriors and they're playing at home again, I'll take the Warriors. Um, I'll take the Warriors to cover. I just, I just, It's so hard to root against Steph, and I know the Bulls have also been playing uh, just great basketball as well. But... This is a buzzsaw they're running into tonight, and I just don't see – I don't see the Warriors slowing down anytime soon. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement, and Steph Curry, so I'll take the Warriors. And Steph Curry. Man, I, you know, I know I'm a Bulls fan. Outright, I'll take the Warriors, but I'll, I'll – I, I'm not going to give – I'm going to give the point – I'm going to give the Bulls that five-and-a-half mm. cushion there, or the – I think that they're going to be within the five and a half points is what I mean to say. Mm. The fact that it's in San Francisco doesn't yep. bode well for the Bulls. That definitely doesn't help. But they have been playing all of their opponents very close this season, and they don't really have a bad loss, I don't think. All three of their losses, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure, are within like five points. Yeah. So with that, I think they are. the Bulls are going to keep it close. But I think the thing to watch tonight is going to be um, – Lonzo and Caruso guarding Steph Curry, seeing how they match up. Because that's two of the best perimeter defenders in the league going against the best offensive weapon and one of the best offensive point guards we've ever seen, if not the best. So I, I, I'm going to take the Warriors um, outright, but the Bulls, I think they're going to keep it within that five and a half. I'm going to go with Golden State, uh, and I'm going to take the points. Um, 
even the Bulls, as with how good they're playing this year, uh, I think it'd be tough for them to catch the Warriors off guard, especially when the Warriors, a team of their caliber, is hitting their stride. Even even a team as good as Chicago, I don't know if they'll they'll catch them. Um, so we'll get out of here now. Um, everybody, hope you enjoy your weekend. Watch some ball. Have a good time, and we will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in.